DJ and PK, Jake Scott in for David James this morning. Want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. Mention this ad. Receive $33 off any service. Call Action today, 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. PK, before we get into the the Mount Rushmore thing, I've got an embarrassing uh, thing to admit, but I wonder if this happens to you because you do the you've done the morning show for years. All right, yeah. Uh, I just uh, happened across the hall during the break there to uh, the facilities, and as I was uh, washing my hands, I realized my shirt's on inside out. <laughs> 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 and I got up, you know, got up early this morning, getting dressed in the dark because I didn't want to uh, wake the wife. And I guess I had it folded in my drawer or something inside out because I just pulled it, pulled it out of the drawer, threw it on, and, uh, and went about my day. But yeah, I'm washing my hands, and I'm like, you know what? My I didn't shirt's even notice on when inside you walked in. So. <laughs> so that happened. Okay, I can add to that. All right. <laughs> We've been doing this morning show for 18 years, and for much of the year, it is pitch dark out, right? And one of the great things I hate doing is driving to work when it's snowing, because I didn't grow up driving in snow, living in Phoenix and in California, right? And I, I mean, y'all can tell you, man, I hate it so bad that uh, just makes me so nervous and i can remember one time you well, you used to produce our show way back when i did I and spent it was snowing and two years and and, and uh i remember so many uh just scary drives into producing the yeah. morning because the you know the plows take some time to catch up yeah it's it's intense right and it's dark so you you do get dressed in the dark a lot and i had this uh it was like a pullover jacket that uh, you would wear like maybe when it's uh, chilly to play golf, right? So it's a pullover va- a jacket with a little V-neck, right? Not a button-up. You put it over your head. And so I had that thing on. <laughs> so we're doing the show, and we're over at the old Simmons building off of uh, 7th East, right? What are they, Trolley? Trolley Corners. Tr- trolley yeah. Square across the street. Yep. Trolley Corners, yeah. And uh, so after the show, we're in the hallway, and I'm me, DJ, and Kevin Graham was there. And we're talking, and he says, you got your jacket on backwards. <laughs> the, entire, the entire show, I had the jacket where the V was in the back. <laughs> <laughs> what, like a golf, like a pullover kind of thing? Yes, a golf. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. On yeah. backwards. That's That funny. I had had. <laughs> and your good friend <laughs> so David James it. didn't tell you about it? <laughs> Not for the entire length of the show. Jeez. You might even have been producing, so you might have been there and you didn't say it. That, I don't remember who the producer was at the time. That could have been me. <laughs> uh, that def- if, yes. if you were talking to Kevin, that definitely could have been me. Right. And Graham was the one. We were just casually talking after the show about the show. And he looks at me and says, you get that thing on backwards. <laughs> I That's had funny. it on backwards the entire time. So having a shirt inside out is mild compared to some of the stuff that you would do in the morning when you get dressed and it's pitch dark out, which it is for basically the entire length of the school year. Uh, and then in the summers, obviously, as we wor- 
work toward it. it it's lighter. It gets lighter earlier in the morning. But, yeah, and it's just as dark as can be. Yep. So I'm, I've been there, buddy. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that, that happened during the break. All right. Uh, coaching Mount Rushmore, PK. We have uh, two uh, coaches that are firmly on it, but two open spots. I think so. See what uh, people agree. And we put this on our Facebook page, and we got an abundance of comments there. And I know DJ put it on Twitter, so you can go onto his Twitter and have it on there. And to me, if you're going to have, and, and obviously I thought of this because of Jerry Sloan and his passing, uh, to me, you got four coaches, a college or pro, any sport, man or woman, doesn't matter. You got four spots. Well, two of them are absolute 100% lock slam dunks, and that is Lavelle Edwards and Jerry Sloan. Does anybody disagree on that? I don't think so. I don't think you can. I, I, I think those two are, I mean, two of the best coaches to have ever done it. Forget about the state. I mean, you know, in the, in the history of sports. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Those two, they're no problem. I think we'll probably be pretty unanimous on that. Right. That's what I was thinking. I don't see how anybody can argue. They had longevity. They had success. They have records, a lot lot of stuff. Obviously, Lavelle Edwards built the sport in Provo. It had been pretty much an also-ran program, as I understand, before he got there and became. He started as an assistant and then took over in 72 and then built a program uh, for the ages there that they're going to try to recreate. It's sort of, to me, it's like uh, BYU football now is like UNLV basketball. They had some glory times, and they're trying to get back. And, man, it is really, really difficult. So much has changed now to make it that much more difficult. And I don't know that they could ever recreate what Lavelle Edwards did for as long as he did. Now, Bronco Mendenhall had a very nice run there from uh, years uh, right after the first year. The next three or four or five years were really, really good. Uh, and then he tailed off a little bit. Not not too bad, but didn't get to that where it was there. And then since it is independent, uh, it's been, I don't want to say a struggle, but it's certainly been hard to get back to. And then Jerry Sloan, one of two coaches to have 1,000 wins with the same team and 23 years on and on. So, But that leads us to who should be the other two spots and i thought now for the rest of this segment rather than dissect them we would simply take suggestions nominees if you have any let us know who who should be considered we'll narrow it down but who should be considered to be on that list right now who do you got all right well me personally i i think the the conversation obviously has to start with john ellinger (laughs) <laughs> Not J- Jason Christ, nice. John Ellinger. Uh, okay, let's get to some responses. I've got, uh, I've got DJ's. That was, that was awesome, Jake. I didn't see you coming that way. And we used to have Ellinger on the show. He's a great I love dude. that guy. He's a great guy. Yes. I, I played golf with yes. him once in the, the Pro-Am for what is the Utah Championship now with uh, Ryan Hatch, Trey Fitzgerald, and Coach Ellinger, and we had one of the best days. He's a he's a great dude. Uh, all right, uh, yes. what do, here's a few suggestions I, i'm going to twitter here but uh, i've got uh, the facebook up as well but uh, majerus took utah to the final four i'd say that's deserving according to liz uh let's see our friend wild turkey think, what sorry go ahead 
I think Majerus has to be considered, yes. I agree, uh, 100%. Our friend Wild Turkey Fart Blunt says Greg Winslow is an obvious choice. I do not know who Greg Winslow is. I don't either. Uh, let's see here. Ron McBride says Devon. Uh, Stu Morrill. I don't have any problem with Mark McBride. Stu Morrill and, uh, and uh, Kyle Whittingham says Calvin Johnson. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Jason Christ adds Zachary. Um, a lot of votes here for Kyle Whittingham and, and Rick Majerus. Uh, Frank Layden getting some run from Jeff on here. Uh, how about Greg Marsden? Powerhouse gymnastics team for the women, obviously. So I think certainly Greg Marston has to be on that list. We're just listing nominees now. And if you have nominees, then yes, I think that uh, Marston, I've got no problem with him being listed as a nominee. Uh, Rob comes in for uh, Carrie Rupp. <laughs> uh, I bet we get this a lot, actually. Larry Gelwicks, is that his name, the Highland rugby coach? Now, see, I eliminated that, though. I said pro or college. Pro or college. So my so guy, high school's out. There. My guy, Roger Dupay, not, not going to get uh, any consideration. My uh, my driving instructor, Roger Dupay. Huh. Roger Dupay? Uh-huh. Now, that, yeah, by the time I got here, that that uh, dynasty had slipped a little, but... When when was that dynasty? When was it? When was its heyday? Oh, late nineties. Yeah, uh, when I was in school. Yeah, mid, he, mid to late nineties. He won six in a row. Went to the state championship. Something like nine years out of that uh, in a row. In okay, there. if it was mid to late nineties, then I was here then because I got. Well, here I don't know where you were at, bro. Brandon Doman, you don't remember? Well, I, you don't remember Brandon playing for Skyline? I actually I do, and I actually I went uh, to watch him play once. But I thought that was – I had in my mind that that was the tail end. That's not accurate? Uh, well, Roger was there for a long time. And I, how many state titles did he have total uh, hatch? I, I think it's like nine. Yeah. But he had he had six in a row there in the late the, 90s. The, the mid to late mid 90s, 90s. Sky, Skyline was the program in this state. They yep. were the preeminent program. Okay. Uh, but anyway, only college and pro, though. It's a fair cutoff because you'd have a number of high school coaches that feel like you'd probably put on this list if that was the case. And by the way, I should—I don't know why I read Greg Winslow's name, but as as Lloyd point, uh, points out, that was the Utah swim coach that was so controversial. So, <laughs> oh, I should not have read that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That was a, that was a smart alecky answer. There. Oh, I figured it was, but I didn't know who it was. I, you know what? I was thinking when I read it, I was thinking Greg Marsden, and that's why I read it. <laughs> that's why I read it. All right, uh, let's PK. I want to get your answer answer on this, or, or how you're processing it. We'll do that coming up next. Keep those suggestions coming. You can include me in the conversation as well at Jake Scott Zone. It is DJ and PK. 97, 97, 5 and 1280 the zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. TV wants yeah. live sports. They are desperate for live sports. Yeah. We're hey. watching the KBO for crying out loud. It's still on ESPN. You can catch the KBO twice a day. 
I tried. I couldn't do it. I could do it for the first couple of days, but there's just nothing to really... It's like when you really try to do a crash diet and you're looking at that plate of kale and you're like, I'm not quite hungry enough for that yet. But if I put ranch and bacon on it... Then we got a chance. And put it on a burger. Yeah. And then <laughs> remove the kale as you ate the burger. <laughs> then we got something. How did you sneak on there? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Ma... No, DJ and PK, Jake Scott filling in for David James. A little autopilot there. Join the big show coming up on Friday, 2 to 6 at the Warehouse, 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Prices so low, it will blow your mind. PK, going over more of the responses during the break, I would think Witt and uh, Majerus getting the most uh, run. But also, uh, is it, um, let's see, Jack Gardner? Is that uh, is his first name, Jack? For sure. Uh, Jack yeah, Gardner. Jack Gardner's got to be. Who coached Utah to the uh, the championship, right? Um, and uh, Stu Morrow getting quite a bit of run, but mainly Witt and Majerus, I would say, getting the majority. Where Where is your mind at in this? What are you considering? I think you got to consider a lot, a lot of people. I think you got to consider Stan Watts at BYU basketball. Okay. I don't see how you don't have him in there. Now, he wasn't there for a long time, but in terms of accomplishments beyond the state, Dick Mata. Right. Weber State, absolutely right. And Dick Mata... He gave us. He basically gave us Phil Johnson, right? Yep. And then Phil Johnson with the connection to Jerry Sloan, and those two, uh, they phenomenal coaching staff. And that's one of the things you know. Uh, back in the in the nineties, when I was working for the Watchdog, I did uh, some NBA stuff and really talked to a lot of different NBA people. And they were just uh, so complimentary of the coaching staff. And every time they had mentioned Jerry Sloan, they mentioned Phil Johnson, too. So you don't have one without the other. In their mind, it was a tag team effort on how those two guys were at the top of the organization in terms of coaching. Uh, I think Frank Layden needs to be on the list as a nominee. But if you're just going to limit it to coaching, I can't see where he would be on there as far as one of the four Mount Rushmores. And he had a losing record. Now, the team was developing, but Frank Layden's impact on the Jazz and on the state, that goes way beyond coaching. If you eliminate or just widen the margin, eliminate the boundaries of just coaching and talk about impact, then obviously Frank Layden has a strong, strong impact that he did for many years. He was the face of the franchise, and he gave it a form of national credibility because whether you knew very little or a lot about the Jazz, you know, you knew about that funny guy, Frank Layton, who was doing his thing. And so he was critical, a critical component to the Jazz's success, obviously, as he moved on into the to role of president. After, And he turned the reins over to Jerry Sloan. I'm sure when he did that, he probably wasn't thinking that, oh, wow, this guy's going to be the next coach for almost the next uh, quarter of a century. But nevertheless, that's what had that's what was on there. Good hire think, for Frank right there. Yeah. Good hire. Oh, yeah. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> it worked out well. <laughs> it's like uh, Steve Cleveland, and we'll have him here at the top of the hour, uh, his impact on BYU basketball. He comes in from the junior college. 
he hires Dave Rose. Dave Rose takes over. Dave Rose hires Mark Pope. Mark Pope takes over. So would there have been that succession if Steve Cleveland hadn't hired Dave Rose? Well, I can't answer that, yes or no, but I do know that it led to that by him hiring Dave Rose as his top assistant, two junior college guys taking over a program, and they go on for the next 20-some years together, right? And then Rose brings in Pope, so there's that line of succession there. That's the thing about Majerus is that he was such a phenomenal coach, but yet he has no coaching tree. Yeah. He, he really doesn't. Nothing. No. He had Donnie Daniels got an opportunity to coach at his alma mater at Fullerton for a couple years, and then obviously Judd at the women's program. Yep. But really, when you have been that successful, you should have other people. Steve Cleveland was successful, so he has Dave Rose. Dave Rose was successful. Uh, and then he spawns two head coaches. Dave Rice went to UNLV for a while, and then Mark Pope is uh, now at BYU. And Heath Schroyer, right? Heath Schroyer, that was brought on by Steve. Uh, Steve brought Heath Schroyer into the program, and then Dave Rose had him on the staff too. And then, yeah, so, yeah, you got to put uh, Heath Schroyer on that list as far as being a head coach. He's, uh, what is he, at Middle Tennessee now, and I think he's had, uh, I know he's at Wyoming, I want to say he was at uh, was he at Portland, Portland State. Uh, so he's been a head coach in a number of different places. So yeah, but Rick Majerus, for as successful as he was, nothing. No. Uh, let's see. David on on Facebook says Jim Boylan and Roger Reed. Go Goats! <laughs> Urban Meyer's getting a little run on uh, on the what social. What do you do media. with Urban Meyer, Jake? Yeah, I don't know if he was here long enough. Two years. I mean, it was lightning in a bottle for sure. But longevity is part of this discussion, right? I think it has to be to I a degree. And only there for two years when you basically took Ron McBride's players. Right. And, I mean, Urban Meyer is just unbelievable. I mean, I don't know that I've ever been around a coach like Urban Meyer. And that, that two-year period was just – it was unlike any other thing that I've been around. I mean, he's – and, and and to me, it was the combo. He and his wife, they were a tag team, too. So we had on Steve Tate last week, and obviously he knows Urban Meyer uh, and uh, that situation there. He feels like Urban will get back into coaching, but Urban's son is now a walk-on receiver at Cincinnati where Urban played, and he feels like Urban isn't going to get into coaching, go back into coaching, until his son is done. So he thinks that in three or four years so urban's going to have a four or five year break and then go back into coaching it'll be interesting to see how that plays out if steve is right but that's steve tate's assessment of what he thinks is going to happen with urban meyer i i don't have any problem putting urban meyer on the list uh because he came in here like a tornado and just blew through our community and he didn't create devastation (laughs) he created a whole lot of success uh but uh, yeah just two years how about Ike? How about Ike Armstrong, who is the career leader in football wins at Utah? When was he there? From like nineteen twenty-five to nineteen forty something. See, I have a tough time putting those uh, times in perspective because I I didn't. 
you know, like I can appreciate the generation that uh, that came before my mine because of my dad, right? You know, raised me with stories about Jerry Sloan as a player and and those sorts of things. And I feel like I can have a grasp going back a certain way or a, a certain distance. But I, I don't know, back that far, I have a tough time putting that into perspective. Really? Because I would have thought you would have been able to get that from Gordon Monson. <laughs> well, he, he tries because he was around. <laughs> he was covering most of it. Uh, but I, I have a tough time with that. So I looked it up. Ike Armstrong, he has 141 wins, I think. Kyle has 131. So Kyle's going to get the record. I don't think Kyle has spoken of not wanting to be a coach when he's 70 years old. But he turned 61 in November, and I think he's uh, like 10 or 11 wins behind. So most likely, uh, depending on how this season shakes out with the number of games and all this stuff and keep our fingers crossed, most likely Kyle will pass Armstrong next. So this 2022 season uh, that he'll get, I think he needs 10 or 11 wins to pass Armstrong. Hmm. And... We, we know there's two things we know. We, we can count on him beating BYU the next two seasons. And then, of course, sad news, Jake, is we can count on him losing to the Devils in the next two seasons. And that's where you and I have all our acrimony because you being the hardcore Ute and me being the hardcore Sun Devil, that's where we get sideways to quote Jerry Sloan. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's acrimony there, but uh, you, you're, <laughs> you're, you're right that uh, Herm Edwards is a master, and I don't know what the rest of the league is going to do over the next several years as he puts together an NFL program at the college level. I, I think uh, everybody's in trouble. If there's not acrimony, is there macaroni? There could be. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Did you know that Ike Armstrong, he won like 13 conference titles, what they call it, the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference? That's a lot. And s- six of those seasons, he had undefeated teams. Now, they included ties back then. Because uh, I don't remember when the tiebreaker or the overtime came in, but that's relatively recent. Uh, and he, I think he had like 15 ties. And his, how about this? Do you think this is legitimate? His 1930 team went undefeated and untied. And the entire season, they gave up a total of 20 points for an average of two points a game. Is that so outlandish that it it actually ruins it for you, or do you think that's legitimate? No, it's just a different era. I'm sure it's legitimate. Absolutely, you you can only play the competition that, uh, or you know, function within. It's absolutely legitimate. I just putting eras. And that's why comparing eras is impossible. Truly, it, it's impossible. But it makes it difficult because I don't really have a frame of reference. I mean, that's an, uh, an amazing stat that you just listed right there. But how many points a game were scored? You know, if you, you, the, you're a baseball historian, one thing that Babe Ruth did that was so amazing is the home run wasn't even a thing before Day, Babe Ruth. Like, uh, I, I remember uh, I read a book about Ty Cobb once, and he, he won – or he – led the league in homers one year with like five. I mean, it just it, w- it wasn't even a thing. And then Babe Ruth comes along and totally changes the game forever. So should we discount what they did in the dead ball era, quote unquote? It's impossible to put that into perspective, right? 
Okay, but what are you saying, though? I get that, but beyond that, does that mean that today's accomplishments are more legitimate than back then? No, it's just different. Okay, but I, I'm sure it's different, but what does it mean beyond different? It can't just be different. you got to give me more than just different. Okay, so would we have the numbers, uh, you know, how would these power hitters be today if they were hitting that, uh, you know, solid rock of a baseball that they were throwing back then, you know? Like even the equipment, how do you, how do you compare that in a, in a game like baseball or golf where the equipment has had such a, a dramatic effect? Or even something as simple as sneakers in the NBA that technology has, has come a long way. I mean, how, would, how do you compare that stuff? I mean, okay, I I understand that, but does that make it better then, or does it make it better now? That's what I'm trying to get I don't, from I don't, you. I don't know. What do you think? I don't think either one is better. I guess that's what I'm saying. Well, it's got to you. Got to have better. No, you don't, Jake. Jake, radio divide audience. I got Come you. I got you. But you <laughs> you want to go back in my day it was better. Everybody wants to say that. So no, that, well, how about that? There's my answer. Back in my day, my day was better. <laughs> my day was better than yours. Sometimes it was. I don't think it's a blanket statement. Well, I know you and Gordon want to talk about the 80s Lakers all day long and uh, throw DJ into there too. But, you know, just because it was your day does not mean it's Who better. Who doesn't, man? It was the best basketball team of all time. See? Exactly. Because <laughs> it was. Okay, how about this? I was talking about one of the things that you, uh, what did you watch? Flick around, right? And I, on my DirecTV, I buy the Fox Sports packages so I can watch uh, Fox Sports Arizona to watch the Diamondbacks. Well, within that, I get all these other Fox channels that that a lot of times that, as long as it's not uh, live sports, that they're, they're not scrambled, right? And not blacked out. So I'm watching a thing the other day on the Dodgers, and it is uh, – you haven't followed baseball since 1944. Correct. But they, they have a pitcher named Walker Bueller, who's their ace now. He's taken over for Kershaw. And uh, the year before last, he led the team, led the team with two complete games, most complete games on the staff, Right. You call up Don Drysdale. Don Drysdale, in 1963, he made 42 starts. Guess how many games he completed? 42. (laughs) No. (laughs) You're saying that he he completed every game that he started? (laughs) No. I'm I'm finishing this one, coach. (laughs) That would be unbelievable if if he did. What, 35? 17, uh, yeah, and in 63, he had 17. Hmm. If you go back even further, I bet uh, those numbers climb even more, right? uh, Depending on who you are. So does that make pitching better then or better now? I'm I'm just saying it's better in my day. Whatever your day is. What is your freaking day? That was when it was the best. See, I, I I I don't buy that. But, yeah, you do with the 80s Lakers. But I don't buy it universally at all times. No, but sometimes I do. I think the Lakers had three Hall of Famers of their starting five. How was that not awesome? Yeah, they were okay. <laughs> oh, jeez. You're just – now you are being a butthead for the sole purpose of being a butthead. 
How is that possible? Because I don't, I don't agree that the conversation stops and ends with the uh, with the '80s Lakers. Uh, I don't see. I guess that's. I don't. I don't know what was. I don't know what was better. Uh, I really don't. Uh, I, I'm supposed to divide the audience here, but I mean, if you're talking about like, if you put. The, if you put the the Warriors uh, of, or I guess uh, the Lakers of this year, and they played Magic's Lakers, the Lakers of this year would win. <laughs> oh, that's the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> Bigger, stronger, faster. Today's athlete is just far more capable of things than the athlete the athletes in the 80s. That's a fact. Bigger, stronger, faster. Can we get management? Come up to the fifth floor right now, go across the hall, and administer that drug test. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Davis, what were, how, would the, how would the 80s Lakers have, have managed somebody like Anthony Davis? And I'd love to see Buck Johnson oh, Anthony, yeah, try to stay in yeah. front of LeBron. I'd love to, I'd love to see Davis, that happen. I mean, the slew of titles that Anthony Davis has won, I mean, he needs an extra wing on his house to put all those MVP finals trophies I, I bet you. I bet you the Jazz of of today would beat the '80s Lakers. The athlete, uh, the athlete of today's day and age, is just better, bigger, stronger, faster. Magic was six two. Kareem was seven two. How the hell can you get taller than that? And Magic was barely in shape. And slow. He was not barely in shape. You're thinking of Magic after he came back in the nineties. And Magic couldn't throw it in the ocean. Couldn't shoot. Oh my gosh. Gordon is rolling over in his grave right now. I know. All right. Stay tuned. We've got a partner profile coming up next. DJ and PK, Jake in for David James, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott in for uh, David James today. It's time for another partner profile. Let's get out to the Zone phone. The Utah Joining us now, the Utah president of Key Bank. He is Terry Grant with us here on DJ and PK. Terry, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am doing great. Thank you. Hey, thank you for jumping on with us, and thank you for being such a great partner of ours. Uh, let's talk about Key Bank and uh, what you guys are doing to respond to the current pandemic. Okay. Well, I appreciate this opportunity. You know, last recession that we had, um, I think banks were part of the problem. As you recall, the bailouts. But this time, I think our industry has never been stronger. And so we are really part of the solution this go around. And I am incredibly proud of how we have responded to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, As in all things key, we approach it with a a people-first mindset. 
um, putting our clients and our communities and our team members first. Um, right now, our business resiliency plans are in full effect, and we have maintained really our operational effectiveness across our entire organization. And in fact, I, I, I believe that um, we'll come out stronger as a bank through this than we were going into this pandemic crisis. Um, and you know, now more than ever, our clients depend upon us, uh, not only to help carry out their basic day-to-day banking needs in this current environment, but to support those whose livelihoods have been so impacted by COVID-19. So here in Utah, we're experiencing a gradual reopening. What is Key Bank doing as far as being open to the community? Right. Well, thanks for that. Um, so we, um, we have maintained our drive-throughs as, as the other financial institutions have, as well as by appointment in our lobbies. Um, actually, starting next week, June 1st, we're opening our lobbies, uh, two of our lobbies open again in, in our branches. And then we hope to have all of our branches reopened by the end of June. But, you know, so much has been done on the electronic front um, with our banking today that uh, our team members have been extremely busy calling all of their clients, making sure they're okay, seeing how we can help. Um, so it's been us reaching out to them as, as much as uh, our clients reaching out to us to support them. Terry Grant is with us from Key Bank on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a partner profile. And Terry, I, I saw in April that you guys partnered with Joe Ingalls. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Ah, yes, that was a great thing. Um, so our Key Bank Foundation uh, committed more than $18 million across our footprint to support projects and and designed to minimize the impact of COVID-19 on small businesses and neighbors. And then here locally in Utah, we supported two funds, the Utah COVID-19 Community Response Fund and the Feeding uh, the Frontline Funds. Um, but um, what was fun was we wanted to be creative in how we could help more of our Utah community. And one of the hardest hit industries, as you recall, is, is our restaurants industry here. And and so we teamed up with Joe, Joe Ingalls, and, and donated $10,000 to a nonprofit close to Joe's heart um, called Culture City, a nonprofit that aims to make everyday environments more inclusive uh, for people with autism and post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I'm sure you're aware Joe and his wife are the parents of a child with autism, and he also sits on the board of Culture City. So it was a great way we could support Joe and, and something that was close to his heart. But in addition, we chose a number of these locally owned restaurants that were hit so hard and bought thousands of dollars of gift cards to these restaurants. And then over a week period, Joe would announce on his Twitter account um, which restaurants it was. We would put a, a $50 gift card in each of the takeout um, um, food items that uh, this, these clients would come and pick up from these restaurants with a note that the next meal will be on KeyBank. Um, and then we uh, bought... A lot more, and we donated um, those uh, gift cards um, to those same restaurants to eight different essential businesses and first responder sites with up to $1,000 per site So with these gift cards so that they could go to restaurants and treat their employees. Wow, that's really awesome, man, to be able to do that. You're sort of branching out maybe a little bit beyond what a bank normally does. Well, we try to be a little creative um, and at the same time really support our community. Our three main things are to support our clients, support our communities, 
and to support each other, our employees at KeyBank. And if we can do those things, those three things well, then uh, then we're doing something right. Hey, Terry, we can't thank you enough for jumping on the show, and uh, thank you and your team over there at KeyBank for all they do. Please pass that along from us. I will be happy to do so. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. That's Terry Grant, Utah president uh, of Key Bank. And, um, you, you know, Joe Ingles, obviously, uh, you know, near and dear to our hearts here at The Zone and specifically DJ and PK and wanted to bring that up with Terry because I thought that was a pretty cool Oh, partnership. yeah. Yeah. Uh, a- a- excellent uh, example of what they're doing there and in, in all seriousness. And I will throw in something that is a little more lighthearted. When you take a look at Joe Ingles, he's an example, Jake, of athletes who are bigger, faster, stronger than what the Lakers had to face. Correct. I, I agree. In fact, if you, I, I've I've learned from listening to the Joe Ingles show here on this uh, on this uh, particular, uh, yeah, exactly. I learned that the reason he's been able to stay, thrive, and improve is because he took advice from coaches to be in better shape. Okay. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, and you. Jake saying that today's Jazz could beat the 80s Lakers because they're bigger, faster, and stronger. You look at the starting backcourt of Conley 6-1 and Mitchell 6-1 versus Magic 6-9 and Byron Scott 6-5. You're right. Today's version, they are bigger and stronger and faster. How can I disagree with just chronological facts right there 6965 versus two guys neither of whom's over 62 can you can you get out Excellent of your mind uh, height for a second when using the word bigger let's talk about muscle mass pk let's talk about body fat percentage all those sorts of things bigger stronger faster fact how about better i noticed you didn't say better thankfully that's not my argument <laughs> That's not my argument. But yet they can beat them. Oh, my gosh. A lot. Just when I think I've heard you say everything, you top yourself. A lot of times it, it doesn't come down to basketball skill, 100%. NBA is a game of with the best athletes on the planet. And size, athletic ability, being at what shape you're in, all that stuff really matters. Uh, I have this argument with Austin all the time. It, was Shaq actually good at basketball, or was he just bigger, stronger, faster than anybody else had ever been at his size? Yeah, I'm talking about the 80s Lakers. I'm not talking about Shaq. Follow the logic here, PK. You understand <laughs> what I'm talking Lakers. about. That that in Shaq's case, skill didn't really have anything to do with it. He was just a monster who could move and and was just huge. What were you going to do to stop that guy? Uh, I mean, that a, stuff. Give him a cheeseburger because he stopped himself. Fact. That is 100 percent true. When he lost that physical edge. He wasn't nearly as good of a basketball player because okay, it wasn't di- about skill. I don't disagree on that, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wasn't highly skilled. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the most skilled center of all time, yeah, my friend. Yeah, but do you see him staying in front of Anthony Davis? No. No. You see him chasing Anthony Davis out onto the perimeter? No. It would be a disaster. Why does, why does, why does he have to do that? Because that's you Anthony, see Anthony Davis' da- game. That's his good, game. Good, but why do, why do I have to have... I could have AC Green guard him. 
Why do I have to have if, – if Anthony Davis is so awesome, how the hell hasn't he won anything yet? And he's been in the league a number of years to the point now where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So by definition, he's been in the league a long time, the way the rules are set up, and he hasn't even sniffed anything. I think he's got one playoff win. That's it. It's about winning, my friend. This is not a decathlon here. It's about winning. That is not my argument. My ar- <laughs> put, an- put Anthony Davis into, into the DeLorean, into the old time machine, and take him back to the 80s Lakers, and he'd have twice the championships that Buck Johnson does because he would be Ooh. a physical freak of nature. <laughs> Who's Buck Johnson? <laughs> Gordon uh, Gordon told me that that was the team's oh. nickname for Magic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. So, uh, yeah, they so called him I, Buck. You're, you're telling me that Anthony Davis is better than Magic Johnson? Think uh, in perspective of <laughs> athletics. Come this on. isn't an athletic. It's about winning. It's about, it's about doing whatever it takes to win. Larry Bird couldn't jump. He couldn't move. All he could do is win. It's not about that. It's about winning, And my how good That's would Larry what, be in today's perspective he would of be, With the three-point shot being as prevalent, he would be even more awesome today. Are you kidding me? Oh, my goodness. He would be incredible. He was lights out then. He would be lights out now. If you're so so guaranteeing me that today is way better because these guys are bigger stronger blah 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 why is the dream team recognized as the best team ever 30 freaking years ago Come on, man. That doesn't make any sense. I got you with the dream team. You're telling me if we put together an Olympic team of just the best players in the NBA today versus the dream team, that the dream team would lose? You have got to be kidding me. Stay tuned. We'll have Steve Cleveland coming up next. It's DJ and PK, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.